0: Central.com. Hello? Hi, Dave from A1 Builders in Pretoria. Yeah? It's Dan. I found your number on the internet and I need you to build me a room, the purpose of which I cannot disclose. What? Fine. It's a sunroom. Can you start immediately? It's 4 a.m. I'm sure it's 4 a.m. somewhere, Dave, but here in SA, it's 10.
1: You mean USA?
0: There's more than one Pretoria out there. For the quickest and most efficient
1: way to find what you're looking for, start your search with yellowpages.co.za or download the app. Yellow Pages, for local, reliable results. Welcome back to The Good Stuff, Cliff Central's very own happy hour with myself, the good news guy, Brent Linderkew. Absolutely love Tuesdays. I get to hang out with all of you at Cliff Central and bring you good news stories, and I don't think there's any better time. Right now, we, we're suffering with statues that are going down. The load shedding is just upsetting everybody. It's, it kicked in yesterday. So we're going to throw all of that away, and we're going to bring you the good news stories. I have an epic show for you today. I featured Layla O'Neill's story a couple of times. A little girl who was diagnosed with a serious child cancer at four years old and was told she wouldn't make it past six months. She'll be coming into studio with her mom to chat about her sixth birthday, which she'll be celebrating next month. So we're all quite excited for that. And you're all, you are all invited to celebrate with her. We're also giving away a Samsung a little bit later in the show, a little Samsung Galaxy S4. But first, this is, uh, very exciting moment. Um, every month we, we bring in a celebrity, someone awesome that's doing good stuff in the world. And, um, this month we've managed to kidnap Mark Pilgrim from, uh, his hot FM studios. Because your book guest couldn't arrive, so you asked if I could fill in at the last minute. Well, I did yeah, actually. Yeah. I sent you, I sent you the mail late <laughs> last night and said, please, can you pop in?
0: <laughs> yeah, we, we were going to interview Ed Jordan, but he couldn't make it. We need another bald guy. Oh, Mark. <laughs> now listen, it's great to be here. I'm surprised I made it because Santon is. Gridlocked. It is. At the moment. It's a mess. Thank you, Eskom, but vum vum vum, little Vespa. I get mocked with my Vespa, but I always say Vespa's not a scooter, it's a lifestyle. I've, uh, I've got a little scooter, but I just don't, I don't, I can't bring myself to use it. I think
1: I've got the whole Joburg mentality that hmm. if I have got meetings and all sorts of things going on, I feel like a scooter is not going to carry my life.
0: Because I, you don't have a Vespa.
1: Maybe that's the problem. You need a
0: 300cc solid piece of metal between your legs. And that's, um. it. we've actually got two downstairs <laughs> right now. I don't know if you saw the other Vespa. No, I didn't. Yeah, Richard no. Maholland oh, Ma- is okay. here, and he's on his Vespa as well. You, you've got to. It, it's really you, – you've got to ride with confidence. I know we're kind of going onto a different topic here. You've got to ride a motorbike with confidence in traffic. Not arrogance, but just confidence. Because if you're very insecure, you're going to pull all the bad stuff towards you, and you're going to bump into someone, or someone will bump into you. Have you ever bumped into someone in the middle of traffic, Yeah. Review mirrors? No, I haven't done that, but outside San City, they always say you're either – part of the asphalt club or you will become part of the asphalt club and someone knocked me over just outside santon city turned in front of me and i I fell on the ground that i've got the vespa and the piss pot and whatnot and i'm picking myself up and there's blood everywhere and he gets out of his car uh there's oh guy and he goes i didn't see you i didn't see you and i take the piss pot off and he goes "Uh, hey (laughs) babes come see you i hit come see
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so so i have been knocked over one one for the books one for the books there we go I've i've got the roasties not not right
0: now, thank goodness. So it
1: didn't happen recently.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. They they're just healed scars now. There's little roasties here and there. Yeah.
1: Mark, welcome to the good stuff. It is really Thank good you. to have you here. Um, when I, when I posted it on social media that I'd be bringing you in, it kind of exploded. Uh, I think everybody on my Facebook and Twitter was, was quite excited. I've got a good following. They do tune in. If you guys are, are here, you can tweet a little bit. We'll go into Periscope in a bit as well. Mm. Uh, which is what you've been playing around with. I love Periscope. Yeah. It's a, Killing it's a, my
0: bandwidth, but I love Periscope.
1: I had Jason Greer here last week and he's mm. also all about, al- although he's more on the meerkat side. So he, that was the first sort of, Yes,
0: it's App. Meerkat versus Periscope, App. and a lot of people are going, "What the hell are they talking about?" But yeah, that's what, that's yeah. what we play with. Um,
1: you're no stranger to radio; you've been on the airwaves for the past twenty years. Mm.
0: Um, what What were you doing before you got into radio? I think maybe let, let's go back. Let's- I always had a dream as a little kid because I'm quite old. <laughs> so when I was a kid, David Gresham was on radio doing Springbok Radio Top Twenty. Uh, before your time. And and most probably the listeners here are going, what the hell what, is what, that? What is Springbok Radio? And I used to listen to him do the chart show and I thought, that is so cool. I'd love to do that one day, but I've always been a small town boy. I, I never thought that it would be a possibility because that's part of being in the big city. Small town. Where did you grow up? I grew up in a small town in England. In fact, it wasn't even a town, a little village called All which is the eve of Halloween. So how's that for a happy village name for you? Shit yourself every single day. But I lived in all And then when I came to South Africa, it was Creel and Sasselburg. Oh, wow. But I got parole and I left Sasselburg <laughs> <laughs> to go to Varsity. I went to Vitz. But I always had a dream of being on radio, but it was too far away. I, I just didn't think it was possible. And I became a, a market researcher, did a degree in industrial psychology, was a businessman for, for nine years. I was the Joburg chairman of the Market Research Association. And I always had this dream of radio. And then when I fell ill, I had cancer back in 88. I was uh, 19 years old. I said to myself, no matter how long it takes, I will follow my dream and be on radio. But it's not that easy to get on radio. So whilst I still tried to get on radio, that's when I became the market researcher for nine years. Uh, but all the while still auditioning at radio stations, getting turned down. I've got a pile of letters, even from Gareth Cliff's manager. Rina, uh, I've got I letters from Rina. I've got I've got letters from Rina, and I, I cherish them because you need that. You you need you need to look at that and go. Well, I was there. Look where I am now. It, you've got to feel good, but it also pushes you to to go further. So your
1: inspiration and and just I'm going to touch on this. I did speak to Sharon before we went into the show, and she'll be coming in in a bit. She actually grew up in Creole with ah. you. She remembers you from Creole.
0: Really? She mentioned that a little while ago. So we'll touch on that. in a Wow. Bit. That's many moons moons ago. Small town syndrome. I mean, I think of that as all in black and white because that's how long (laughs) long ago it was.
1: Just mad. Just mad. So while you were busy uh, with your career, at the same time you were
0: auditioning, did you do crazy stuff like graveyard shifts? Were you working that sort of? I'm from the old school radio where almost all of us come from. The older guys on radio now used to be on 5FM in the old days. And there, there was a a certain way of doing things. That's why a lot of people say… For instance, myself and Alex J might sound the same, because I was taught by the Alex Js and the Kevin Savages, and there's a certain style of radio. And one of the things they almost insisted on back then was, you don't just get a daytime gig. You've got to pay your dues. You've got to work graveyard. So for the first couple of years, I did weekend graveyard. So I was a market researcher in the week, and I did weekend graveyard. And I think it's almost a necessity. I think too many guys come from nowhere, and they get these primetime slots, and I just feel sometimes something's missing. Besides having paid your dues, there's just, there's, I
1: don't know. Well that, that's why I think you, you've got the name that you have and, and why you've stayed in the industry for so long is because you've built on that and you've, you started at the bottom and you appreciate what you had i mean you were doing historical things on radio uh at 94.7 you were running two shows at once which was unheard of on mm. a saturday with the the top 40 yeah. you really did
0: great things in in that radio before you retired that was great that was a nice moment back in about 2007 when it became that the chart show i was doing on Highfeld became the first simulcast show so it was across two stations at the same time and technically it was challenging because you've got two different news readers. At the same time, reading news. They don't always finish exactly on time. You've got to fill the gaps and pad. You've got different commercials going up, but then it all comes back to you hosting the show. And uh, also, that's part of the thrill though.
1: It, Cape Town and Joburg are so different. It's, it's totally different audiences.
0: Oh yes. It's I'd, a crack, different, it's I'd different different country. country. I'd crack a joke. Crack a joke. No, I'm not a comedian, but you know, I enjoy a bit of inane banter and I'd crack a joke and, uh, Cape Town would be upset and want to take me to the BCCSA, <laughs> and uh, the Joburg audience would just, you know, well, well, whatever. Uh, <laughs> that's the difference. It is. But it was nice being able to tap into both those markets. And I I do miss my chart show. Um, I don't miss the – the. I can say bullshit. On you there. I can this say is, bullshit. This is Cliff Central, and we're not governed by anybody. I'm not used to having a, a filter, you know, or, yeah. or, or, or not having to use my yes, filter. Yes, yes. Uh, so, yes, I'm not – I don't miss the bullshit. There's a lot of corporate politics, which people don't understand. They just hear what happens on radio. But generally, with a, a big station, you've got a board of directors who have to report to shareholders. Decisions aren't always made just on programming. It's made based on money. It's all about money. And sometimes I think the purity of radio gets lost, and I got tired of all the bullshit, to be honest with well, you. Well, with those big, the big radios, um, and it's something that I would never know.
1: Uh, I got flung into this position yeah. after the rack thing, and it was sort of let's talk about the good stuff. Uh, is your is a lot of the shows in the big sort of stations is that written for you
0: already? Do you walk in
1: and a lot of the music is playlisted already? It's it's
0: stuff that you can't might as, dictate. Well, well, yes. You see, here's the thing: radio isn't what it used to be. I got fired from Five FM way back when, uh, one of the reasons being, and Gareth and I had a good laugh a couple of weeks ago when I was on his show here, uh, because I was talking about Gareth Cliff's relationship with another DJ, and they told me to stop, so I made it the theme for the week. Um, the other yeah, reason why I was fine, there was a long list, was um, I wasn't sticking to the playlist. But back then, we all played our own music. Um, so then why were they picking on me? Yeah. Um, but radio these days is all about format. So even at Hot 91.9, where I am now, Uh, There's a music playlist. The difference is my show is an all-request show, so I don't have that. I've got the freedom to go off playlists. But typically, any music station these days has a a music manager or a music team. But it's how you interact with that music playlist that makes it special. You can either take that playlist and go, well, that was, this is, blah, blah, blah. Or you can still make something of it. And a lot of the the newer guys are just – I find them bland simply because – they get to the playlist and they go, well, that was, this is. They're not really into it. You can still make it work. And I think, again, we're going to touch on it. That comes from your experience.
1: That comes from you starting in the radio industry, working the graveyard shifts and learning the back end mm. of radio and what and what it means. At the end of the day, it's about what the listener is experiencing.
0: Absolutely. And I think there's something to be said for an old school way of doing things. So even at Hot 91.9, where I am now, um, you know, it might be something as simple as a time check. But it just sounds right because the jocks are all experienced. But having said that, in the defense of the the newer jocks that are out there now, there's a new generation of listener as well that doesn't know how it sounded back then. (laughs) The old school. They just know the new school and that for them is the norm. Yeah. So in a way, uh, the way I do radio for them is fuddy-duddy and outdated. Because they're used to someone going, hey everybody, hey, what, listen, I, I saw someone with a tattoo. I was at the shop and I saw someone with a tattoo. Phone me now, or SMS me, or Twitter me, and tell me we're used to a funny tattoo. I, like, so irrelevant. Yeah. I what's that gotta do? It just, it's too random. Have a phoner, but link
1: it to something. Something. I find with my radio experience, and it's, it's something that I've had to learn and, and Cliff Central teaching me, which is great. With talk radio, it takes a lot of prep work. So you've mm. got to put that prep work in. When I listen to other radio stations that are currently out there, it feels as if they're all just winging it they yeah. sort of what's trending on twitter let's chat about mm. what's trending on.
0: well they, how much work went into that so I, I think what the the problem is is that you get the talk stations and they do their homework even the the likes of 702 the guys on 702 will do their homework before they go on air but then you get the music stations where the guys feel the necessity to do a link and talk but they haven't really planned it so that's when they, they, they come th- up off. with these these weird stupid things to talk about i'm like really Sometimes I don't want to know how many times you can fart to the yellow rose of Texas. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that's the type of conversation that they're bringing up. It's exactly the same.
0: It's just it's uh, it's not me. It, not th- there know. is a market for that though. But I find that as a middle-aged gentleman, um it's a lot harder to find a station that talks to you because all of the main commercial ones seem to be aimed now at people in their possibly early 20s or so. Yeah. I'm a- that's right,
1: but, but okay, so moving on from your radio, you did 5FM, then you moved on to 94.7, yeah. and then you decided to retire, which was sort of what you did last year. But you bounced back
0: <laughs> with Hot 91. I, I left High Felton KFM, and yes, I, I did hang up my headphones. But between the lines, really, I think if someone had to read it, it was. I I felt it was time I've been doing the chart show for ten years and I loved the chart show but I didn't enjoy the politics around it anymore and I felt it was time to leave. So basically I was leaving my show and I had nowhere to go. Okay. <laughs> so I hung up my headphones and I retired. But like sure when an opportunity came around I made a bit of a comeback. I heard about Hot Ninety One Nine, I heard about the lineup. Now the guys on Hot Ninety One Nine these are the old Five FM guys. I, I, I mean, I've looked at it and I've seen yeah. it. But
1: when when they released the the lineup and I saw Cleone Cassidy, yeah, what? Yeah.
0: Where's she been? I love Cleone. For me, she's still one of the top female DJs we've ever had, and now she's back on radio every day. And these are people I worked with. They're people I admire. And how can I say no to being part of that? So when the opportunity came about, I'm like, yes, please, of course, I will unretire myself. And, and come back. I My question to you was, is the radio bug something that you never get rid of? When, once you've been bitten, is that it? Are you I think so. I think if you make it a profession, some people will always just do it as a bit of a sideline. Uh, some people very qualified in other spheres. You might have a lawyer who does a weekend radio show, and you can't dabble in both. Um, but I think when it becomes a profession, when you say to yourself, I am going to derive – most of my income from this and my time is going to be devoted to this i think it's in your blood it's,
1: it's in my it's blood it's in it's yours. yours
0: it's in my blood um it's not as glamorous as people think uh, <laughs> i can tell you that Josh. off the cuff off the cuff <laughs> um you know there's, there's a lot of work you do behind the scenes um it's not as well paid as people think um in fact, even though I sometimes think we're slightly better paid than I've heard some of the people in the States get paid, and I'm not talking about the Howard Stearns, but just the normal guy on KWXY. Um, we, we had a bloke, uh, Reverend John, who used to be on Heifelt, and he went over to the States. He To make ends meet, he was working on two different radio stations uh, a day, uh, traveling. I don't know the exact distance, but like two, three hours between the stations, you would drive – you know, that's how you make ends meet. Yeah. But radio is exciting. It is, for me, it is exciting. Yeah. I, and like I said, I
1: fell into it. It wasn't something that I, that I thought I'd ever do. Mm. Perhaps maybe something inside of me wanted to be part mm. of an industry. But, uh, for me, the biggest passion is, is getting to spread really good stories and to, and goodwill and to, to highlight really p- amazing organizations, individuals that are doing really cool things.
0: Well, I think that's what's great about this specific show because we are in the midst of doom and gloom. It's and horrible. I think it's fine to talk about it. We need to talk about it. But there is a balance as well. And you can talk about the good stuff. And I think that's always been my angle on radio, that I'm I'm not a bitcher. I'm not a moaner. Um, I just – I'm quite lighthearted on my show. I'm not a comedian. But anecdotally, there's this humorous things come up, and I just have a good time.
1: You do. Yeah, I do, I do. We do we do listen to you. So oh, thank we do you. tune in. Thank you. We enjoy <laughs> a bit of Pilgrim. Um, on the other
0: sphere, you also own a business which is the smooch. I, I, I'm i a bit of an entrepreneur. I like to think so. i uh, not always profitable. <laughs> but yes, I, I've got a couple of different things I do. Uh, and that's what you have to do when you're on radio because uh, you never quite know when you're not going to be on radio again. So my best advice, whenever I've lectured students and I've lectured uh, potential radio personalities for years in various organizations, uh, schools and whatnot, They always say, what should you study to be on radio? I always say, study something you've got to fall back on when you're not on radio. Because that's what you need. Radio is short-lived. You might be on for a year. You might be on for five years. TV. I lectured uh, television presenting at Damlin for four years. And... You know, I felt sorry for some of the guys because they were studying not to become a journalist or an actor where you might have longevity on a show like Generations until it gets pulled, but they were studying to become a TV presenter of, say, a game show, like the couple of things I've done. You're studying a whole year to possibly get 13 weeks of work, and then it's all over. And and it's incredibly niche. So out of the amounts right. of people that are perhaps
1: studying or may have not studied and get that position, you're fighting against that. That's...
0: It's a tough business, yet I always say to people, follow your dreams, and from those TV courses, possibly you build the confidence to become a good business speaker. You know, it can spill over into other spheres. But you have to, as a radio DJ, look at your portfolio and say, well, what else can I do to generate an income and sustain myself for the tough times, those end-of-the-month salty cracks times? And I've always dabbled in various things. I had a nightclub at one stage. Um, at the moment, I've got a smooch frozen yogurt store in Centurion. Uh, what a lot of people don't know is that I'm also involved in green pepper farming in the Eastern Cape. Okay. So I'm part of a consortium. I'm the only non-farmer, and there's about 13 of us, and we've got one of the biggest hydroponic uh, farms in the Eastern Cape. It used to be tomatoes, but they they get so many diseases, and green pepper... It's just so much more hardy and robust. So we do that. That is phenomenal. Uh, I, sh- I know. As a boor. But I look, I am, I don't get involved in that. No, I, you it's, know, this is part, part of thi- your business portfolio. To, it's b- part of a portfolio. Definitely. You've got, to, you've got to do other things, but I think it's the, the business side coming out in me because a lot of people in our industry are very creative, but they, they fall flat when it comes to the business side, even when it comes to you book me to do a voiceover. By the time you get back, and we're in a studio and we're doing the voice, by the time you get back to your office, my invoice will be in your inbox. Whereas I know a couple of my colleagues, because my wife's in the booking side of voices, six months later, she hasn't received their invoice. So they're very creative in what they can do, but they're falling flat on the business side. And let's face it, we all want to do what we, we love but it's nice when you can make money.
1: In, and, and this is something that I don't know, and I don't know if you do, but in the afters and the vits and in the drama departments, do they teach some sort of business side to it as well, or is it pure acting or pure
0: singing? I or, have no idea. I did drama. I got colors for drama at school, uh, which, which classified me as a Morphe, because, uh, in Sasselberg, if you didn't play rugby <laughs> and you couldn't sucky sucky, a you look uh, and I did drama, but I did drama to get out of cadets, because when I was at school, we still had to march. Yeah. But, Drama practice was when cadet practice was on. So you could get out of it. So I did drama to get out of cadets. Look, even if we look back, the Sasselberg
1: people might have said that then. Uh, but you're a farmer now, so you've got your colors. <laughs> you've done something great. Yeah, part of Sasselberg will always be in me. <laughs> um, chatting about the TV side, you didn't just do TV. You did phenomenal TV. You
0: opened up the biggest show on South Africa, which was Big Brother. I remember... Back then, I'd done one television show. It all started, actually, my my TV interest, because I just wanted to be on radio. And then there was an audition for contestants for a TV dating show called Cupid way back when, probably before your time. It was on the then TV4. And at night, I think SABC 1 and 3 or 2 and 3 would merge at a certain time, and you'd have TV4. It was a dating show. And back then, there were only three channels, so we all watched the same stuff. And I thought, if I can be a contestant on this dating show, um at the SABC, maybe I can make a contact and get onto radio. So I went along and I became contestant number one. Uh, she picked me of the three guys because not that I was great but the other guys were just worse than I was. I think um, I might remember the show. You had to hide behind some sort of silhouette. Screen, yeah, yes. I remember it. And anyway, but while I was there, I'm on the show and I'm going, I love this. I love the cameras, I love the lights. I I want to do this too. So not only did I spend years trying to get onto radio, but now I wanted to get onto TV the as same well. time. And then you go to audition after audition for TV ads. I think it was 70-odd auditions for my first TV ad. And, and then I got a show on ETV, which was like a cheap version of top billing called New Moves. It lasted two years. And then my agent said to me, I'm trying to summarize it all in five sentences here. She said to me, I want to send you for an audition. Only people with experience can audition for this TV show. But here's the thing. If it bombs... It's a format that's never been done in South Africa before. If it bombs, you will never work on TV again. You'll be forever painted with the brush of that show that <laughs> <The> flopped. Per- <laughs> and I went for the audition, and fortunately, I, I got the gig, and it did happen to be the biggest reality TV explosion uh, this country has ever seen in the 15 years we've been doing reality TV. It was Big Brother South Africa, and it was phenomenal for me. I, I loved it. I loved the energy, and in the middle of it all, I still said to myself, and I remember very clearly saying this to myself, just absorb this moment, look around. And I remember looking around and seeing the cameras. There were nine TV cameras, and it was a big crew, I thought, you will never work on a show this big in your lifetime again.
1: To take it all in.
0: And I've never, ever forgotten that moment of saying that to myself because it was humongous. We did Big Brother 2 after that, well, which lost a bit of momentum. And then I hosted the very first Big Brother Africa and for South Africans, everyone moaned, oh, Big Brother Africa is not great." Let me give you an idea. Big Brother South Africa had a million live viewers on the Sunday night. Big Brother Africa, I'm talking about the first one. Now that I'm Big Brother Africa 10 or 11 or something, but that first Big Brother Africa, I was involved in, we had 32 million live viewers every Sunday night. That's more than American Idol. It was, it was massive, but not in South Africa. Not in South Africa. And, and DSTV and Mnet and, and were very clever to push it
1: into the African markets mm. because they did capture that audience. Yeah. Uh, as for the first big brother, you were one of the reasons we bunked school. I was in school then. <laughs> we used to bunk school to stay at home and to watch drivel. Cause actually, if you look back on it, they,
0: they were doing nothing during the day. But this is what's interesting from a, an intellectual point of view, because a lot of academics would say, Oh, what a load of crap. I think maybe because of my my background in in industrial psychology, I would watch this as a social experiment. The dynamics at play. The moment bad Brad was booted out the house and he was an alpha male, how the new alpha male came into play, how the roles changed. Suddenly, person A and B were suddenly hitting it off, which they weren't doing before. But you're right. People would spend hours staring at them sleeping. There was also moments which you didn't get to know about because – In what we called the green room, we had two feeds coming out the house, two almost like two storylines. The cameramen were following two storylines, and we only showed you one because we could only show you one at a time. There were other moments where in Big Brother 2, the housemates went into the diary room and complained because Hrushan – I don't know if you remember Big Brother 2. Hrushan was the guy in robes. He was like a Hare Krishna. I do remember. remember. He spent too much time masturbating in the room. And the guys were complaining. That's, that's, so, such a great, that's such a great accolade to have after Big Brother, the <laughs> masturbator. Yeah. So that's what he was doing. In fact, it was so gross. At one stage, he shot one of the windows. And the poor cameraman behind that, I think, was mentally scarred for life. That is hilarious. So, <laughs> so these are the things you didn't get to see. But there was always drama happening behind the scenes. There's, I mean, there's huge controversy
1: today because of Big Brother Africa. Something happened last night. I saw some pe- uh, two people got booted two out. Two people got booted out. There's allegations. I don't really know what's going on, um, and we'll hear
0: about that later, I guess. I don't. I guess I don't watch it much now, but I must say I still. I was only involved in the first Big Brother Africa, uh, and that was 2003, so that's 12 years ago. But I still go up Africa often because I've got a, a TV show that I do for a corporate. Where we go up Africa. So next week I'm in the DRC, uh, for a couple of days, which is interesting because I've never been to the Congo before. I've only ever seen the movie Gorillas in the Mist. Uh, so is I'm not is quite sure what I'm going into. <laughs> yeah, didn't they shoot that in the Congo? <laughs> um, and two weeks later I'm in Ghana. I spend a lot of time up Africa and it's still great to be embraced by people that are, are not my culture who are just, there's, there's, there's no color barrier when you go up, up Africa. Um, they don't see you as black or white. They just see you as, Hey, Mark, we remember you from Big Brother, and they embrace you. What a warm, wonderful feeling. That's amazing. I wish it could be like that everywhere well that's
1: i mean that's what we're all hoping for south africa is on this mm. tipping point of something mm. we don't know what it is um and and all we can hope is that uh out of the darkness we see a little bit of light and yeah. people start sharing a little bit of love the that's, light won't come from eskims though. no not 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 yeah. at this time second show that you were part of which was a big one not your second show but mm. the second one that i can bring to mind is the power of 10 because again you were just groundbreaking, giving what was the biggest prize? Ten million rand.
0: It's still officially the biggest cash prize ever given away, potentially on a game show in South Africa. That's because mad. MasterChef had about eight million rand's worth of prizes, but a lot of it is you get to run a restaurant for two years, and someone's drilling in the background here. I can hear that. Uh, either that's or Gareth is using his toothbrush again. <laughs> uh, but but it, it was a big show. I think it, it didn't didn't do that well though. I think that was the problem. It shouldn't have been on Mnet. Um, it should have been on an SABC channel. Uh, because the problem was, back then, Mnet's viewership was still typically, if you had to personify one person, white Afrikaans. And the ba- premise of the show was, we asked South Africans about everything, and then the contestant had to guess uh, what South Africans had said. But we had... Got that, uh, the universe we asked our questions in was the entire population of South Africa. Then you've got this typical, uh, if I had to personify it again, like say a white, a white Afrikaans person trying to answer a question, but putting himself in the minds of the whole of South Africa. A good example is what percentage of South Africans like their ID photo? Give me. what do you think it is? 30%. Okay. It's 91%. Okay. And, and that's typically because, uh, White people hate their ID photos. Um, typically the, the black audience are, they like their photos a lot more, even if it's a more stern looking uh, expression on the face. And that's why 91% of South Africans like their ID photo. But on Mnet, when we were doing this game show, uh, I mean, I thought it was like 8%. You know, it just, there was a disconnect between the answers, uh, um, from the, or the contestants and what the, the population said. So it was on, it was on the wrong channel. It's proof to say that we're a diverse culture. And that's what it comes down to, is that we're super diverse. We are diverse. I mean, that's what makes us fantastic. But it didn't work for that that specific show. And also, while I was doing that show, we shot one episode and I had the heart attack. Well, this yeah. is what I wanted to get into. And 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 I'll just jump right
1: in. Your bio does state about the testicular cancer when you were 19. Mm, 18. Yeah. 18. Uh, and then the heart attack that happened, which both of those things could have crippled someone. It's debilitating. Mm. But for you... Your cancer was a source of inspiration to go on this new path and get into what you love. Yeah. Uh, And the heart attack, again, I mean, that was when? 2008. 2008. 2008. Um, what what happened? Because you, it happened in the doctor's room. Did you know that something was going on? Did you go have a checkup for I was heart? shooting
0: the very first episode of The Power of Ten. Now, imagine this. So I'm standing on a stage. I've got 200 audience members around me. I've got seven cameras. I'm doing what I love doing, but there's a lot of pressure because game shows typically haven't really worked that well in this country. So this was Mnet's biggest ever game show. A lot of pressure, and I get this pain in my chest. Now, I don't know whether it's just subconsciously I'm anxious because I really want the show to work. Um, you know, I want to do a good job. I want Mnet to be happy with the show and I want Mnet to be happy with me and this pressure on me. So I thought, well, maybe it's a bit of anxiety, this pressure in my chest. And what I didn't realize was it was the angina pains before a heart attack. And I got through that first, uh, recording. It was a day of filming that was on the Friday. I had the heart attack Monday morning. So I realized something wasn't right. I went to the doctor and while I was staring at the doctor, I had the heart attack. And ironically, two weeks later, I went back and put the entire production on hold for me and I'll always appreciate what they did Uh, and Rapid Blue Productions, the, the TV company that made it because they were losing a lot of money every day. We weren't filming, but now I was in hospital. And I decided I want to come back and do the show. There were certain restrictions. I could only work seven hours a day. When I first started working back on the set, they had to put a chair. Then I have to sit down, catch my breath. And then they'd take the chair away. I'd stand up and go, welcome to the power of 10. I'll go cut. Then they bring the chair. I sit down, catch my breath again. But we filmed the rest of the episodes after the heart attack. But when we showed the episodes on TV, we didn't show them in the sequence we filmed them in. So that one show I filmed just as I was getting those pains. Uh we fil- we filmed as episode one, actually flighted as episode eight. So two months into it being on TV, that first episode we filmed was broadcast on the Sunday night. And my mates don't know which episodes were, you know, filmed when and broadcast when. But the moment that episode came on my phone beep. Three people straight away said, You're not looking good. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. Why didn't someone tell me right at that moment I could have actually gone to the doctor sooner? That's mad. That's yeah. mad. But there was a little angel looking over my shoulder. There's no better place to have a heart attack than, than in staring. front of a doctor. <laughs> yeah. So they can yes. sort you out immediately. In yeah. fact, I do remember, though, when the ambulance came, because I was awake, uh, and they gave me medication in the doctor's room, and then the paramedics came, and they didn't put the siren on. And I still said to the paramedic, why is the siren not on? I'm lying on the gurney in the back of the, the ambulance. And she said, no, because uh, with heart attack patients, you know, we don't want to cause more stress. I'm like, but I'm a boy. I, <laughs> I want the siren on. I want the siren. If you're going to be riding in an ambulance, put the damn siren on. You know, we're still kids at heart. We all still stop and look at the fire engine that goes past and go,
1: wow. Totally. <laughs> totally. Because of that, um, not just your heart attack, but because of the testicular cancer, you have become an ambassador for cancer, which is the Cancer Association mm. of South Africa. And you're
0: also, they call it a friend. For the Reach for a Dream Foundation. That's right, yes. So I'm a friend of the Reach for a Dream Foundation. We try and help out myself and uh, other personalities where we can. If we can use our platform to highlight a cause or an event, we do that. I do that for cancer as well. I've been the, I suppose, the, the visual head of the shave-a-thon. Well, we so all know years. that because your head is shaved. <laughs> you, you're the baldest guy in South Africa. <laughs> uh, I'm also an ambassador now for the Heart and Stroke Foundation. Once we've been afflicted by something, we tend to get more involved in those kind of organisations. That just that's how it works. But absolutely, I love flying the flag for the Heart and Stroke Foundation and for Cancer and for Reach for a Dream and for Choc. I
1: couldn't be. I mean. I mean I'm not going to say I'm proud because that sounds condescending, but you are an inspiration. and Thank you. Uh, you always have been in radio and whenever I see you all over the place, you are an inspiration and not just for me, for a lot of people. So that is something that that you can hold your own flag out. Thank you. I
0: appreciate those kind words. I always think back to what my wife said to me about my kids. She said to me, you know, they look at you and f- for them, you'll always just be dad. I'm just dad. Done. I'm just tick, dad. Tick the box. I'm just dad. And that's still, if I had to go down for being remembered for one thing, it's being a great dad. I want to be, that's what I want to be remembered for. Nothing else matters. You know, my, my girls are everything. I remember bumping into my cardiologist, the guy that saved me on the operating table. Uh, the day my, my first daughter was born, I bumped into him in the lift because it all happened in the same hospital. And I remember very clearly saying to him, thank you for saving my heart so my daughter could steal it. And I think once you've had kids, that's, that's what it's about.
1: And, uh, we're going to leave it on that note because we're actually bringing in Sharon and Layla now so you can meet Layla. Mm-hmm. Um, Layla has made it past what was expected of her. It's her sixth birthday in, uh, next month. I think it's the 9th of May and everybody's going to be invited to celebrate with her. Before I go to a break though, I am giving away a Samsung. Uh, Galaxy S4. Cliff Central's turning one on the 1st of May. And to celebrate, we're going to be giving away half a million rands worth of smartphones. So I hope you guys are listening and you've got your fingers ready on the WeChat app. Uh, you can win just by listening out for the question on Cliff Central on some of the shows like... Uh this one, and you can submit all your answers onto WeChat. If you want an upgrade or need a new smartphone, we'll hook you up with a Samsung Galaxy S4. Win with Cliff Central and WeChat for the month of April. Visit cliffcentral.com for details. T's and C's uh, apply. The question that we have is, Gareth found a mysterious crate in the parking lot yesterday. I'm sure you saw it when you walked in.
0: I did. I was trying to read it, but I realized I was almost late for your show, so I couldn't stop and stare. (laughs) Well, we'll go we'll go down in a bit
1: to see what's in that little monster. Which off-road vehicle manufacturer put it there? That's the question. So, which of our, our vehicle manufacturers put it there? And that's all you got to do. Get onto WeChat and give us the answer. We'll be right back with more of the good stuff. You can get in touch on uh, the telephones 0861-555-189. Send a message on WeChat. Definitely send your answers. We can announce the winner. Or get hold of us on Twitter as well. We will be right back.
0: If you want space, if you, could, uh, if you want change, you could, uh, sleep on your bed.
1: That was magic with, uh, don't steal the magic. Loving that band right now. Loving it. Going to the next song. <laughs> right, so microphones are on. I've got Layla and Sharon in. Um, Layla's actually sitting with me here in the top seat with the microphone. Say hello. Hello. That's little Layla. She's <laughs> almost turning six. This is her first time on radio, which uh, we're all very excited for. Not not sure how much you know about the organization Pendi Angels, but I'm the face for them and I assist where I can because I believe in the cause. They look after um, a lot of children who are suffering with cancer and uh, and it's serious cancers and it all started with Sharon because of Leila. And we've got Sharon in studio in front of me. Sharon, hi. How
2: are you, Brent?
1: Good. Uh, just for the listeners, if we can give them a brief recap of what Appendia Angels is and uh, about the good work that you do.
2: Yeah, well, you know, Pendi Angels, we've uh, been around since the uh, 16th of September 2013 once Layla got sick with the Pendi Moma. So what we now do is we we look for children and we help children. We support them financially with medical aid. Um, our whole goal is to actually put the children and their family, the entire family, onto medical aid in order to give them a fighting chance um getting healthier. You know, their surroundings are healthy. They've got a day to get stronger. Which turns into a week Which turns into a lifetime You know Someday One day We're going to find a cure for this um, Might not be me But you know It's very true Like what What you guys said it earlier Like it, it takes bit. you actually being In that situation yeah. To actually get involved in it And with Layla It being so rare That you know There's so, so many different types Of cancers out there And we help all of them We can't just yeah. Focus on Layla's It's so rare But uh, we do help them With medical aid And financial support And we help those little kids make it.
1: Um, Leila wants to say something. Mom, what the hell can I turn
2: into a werewolf? Are you going to turn into a werewolf? Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Strong like a werewolf. If you can just uh, touch on what a pendymoma is and... uh,
2: you know what, ependymoma is a, a really rare form of cancer. It actually has its own immune system. It actually builds tolerance to any treatment that's given to it. Um, it has a memory, so it remembers what you've done to it, and it then builds an immune system against that. So it doesn't matter what you hit it with. It actually just keeps growing. And um, it also is reoccurring, so it comes back. So, yeah, most children under the age of 6 normally have like a 27 to 37% chance of survival.
1: And at the time of starting the organisation, you you were told uh, Layla had pendymoma at four years old.
2: Yes, she had just she had actually spent her fourth birthday in um, in hospital when we found out. We found out four days after her birthday. So yeah, it was crazy.
1: And that was the inspiration behind the organisation. Um, the doctors didn't give her a good.
2: No, no, they wanted we wanted us um, to go over to um, the MD Anderson uh, Cancer Center in Houston, but unfortunately the amount of tumors in her spine, the, the 22 in her spinal cord alone, um, stopped us from going there. So we'd been trying to raise money, and when I realized we couldn't go over and there wasn't really much more that we could do for her, we turned it into a PND Angels, where we take that money that, obviously I do use it for Layla because she costs on an average of 30,000 rand a month, um, but we also help other children children so where people bless me i can now bless others and i don't want another another parent to feel what we're feeling so if we can fight it and we can beat it then then i'm happy i don't i don't want anyone to do this
1: no it it is quite difficult uh what layla has been through she's playing on the microphone next to us um what layla has been through the diagnosis that she had was that she wouldn't make it past four and a half but that's why we're here today is because she's turning six next month
2: Yes. Well, they told me she would never even see her fifth birthday. And it is one year later, and we are planning her favorite, favorite party, Spider-Man, her all-time hero. So, yes, and it, it actually falls on... Yes, Michael.
1: <laughs> I think I think we've got a budding DJ here. Yeah.
2: I think so. <laughs> um, it actually falls this year on on 9th of May, actually falls on the same day as the Pendi Moma Day, which is worldwide. And we're hosting it for the second time in South Africa. And we're releasing butterflies um, in honor of, of the children still fighting and the, the honor of the children who have lost their battle. Um, we, we look at it as a caterpillar turns into this beautiful butterfly and it spreads its wings. Whether it's spreading its wings as growing into a journey that is still around or whether it's growing wings and, and going into a place they'll only be remembered. So we're really, very honoured this year that it actually fell on Leila's birthday, um, just that she's turning six, she's not meant to, and it's a pendy-moma day. She's suffering from epistemoma. I just feel so honored this year. I just really feel like everything happens for a reason.
1: What are the details? Where is the event taking place? It is
2: taking place at Lappies Park in Lone Hill, same venue as we had last year. Um it's, You can actually go on to www.quicket.co.za and book a butterfly. It's 80 rand a butterfly. Um, and then it's from Hopper's 10 to 1. There's going to be face painting. There's going to be balloons. We've got a magician. We've got... We've got so many little things for the kids to do. We've got little artsy crafts where they can actually make their own butterfly. And uh, they can get to take those home and... Yes, yeah, she'll get a blue one. She wants a blue butterfly. She'll get a blue one. <laughs> um, so it's it's just really special, and you can pack in a picnic basket. Um, Layla's also going to be having a party, so we're going to have tons of cake and cupcakes that are for everybody. Um, it's just going to be really, really fun and something for the whole family, not just for children suffering from cancer, but for people around you. I mean, you need that support and that's exactly what it is it's it's a support day for a penny moma
1: and everyone's invited
2: everyone's invited so pack your picnic basket and just come
0: i've also noticed here on your invitation uh you do say um, because it is layla's uh, leila's birthday as well but please do not get a gift for her yes uh, do you want to explain that very quickly
2: well you know what she's she's got so many toys and and why go and spend extra money on her when she actually doesn't really need that but rather buy her a a butterfly and rather release that in her honor i think that just signifies something more special you know it's something she's going to remember forever Mm. you know and it's going to be photos whereas you know a little gift i mean it is appreciated but she's got so much i mean there's so many people there releasing a butterfly at that moment that you spend with her releasing it is going to be something that's going to be embedded in your heart and in your brain Mm. forever
1: Very spectacular Yeah Uh, Twitter Twitter handles Facebook How do people get involved So that they We've
2: got uh, Twitter Depend the Angels And we've got uh, Our Facebook page Depend the Angels Our website is going to be up soon I'm very excited Um, Yeah lots of things Are going to be happening soon Um, But if anybody wants, you can also contact me on info at
0: Can you spell ependi angels? just so otherwise so – because I'm looking uh, at how yes. it's spelled here. but
2: A lot of I, people say that. I, I get it, is it E-N? And I was like, no, it's e. P, P for poppy, mm. E N D Y angels, um, and it's an abbreviation of moma mm. You know, it's something where I'm actually part of the support group for appendy mm. parents, and it's only once you're actually living it you understand the appendy part. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's really something that people struggle mm. with. So it's E P E N D Y angels.
1: Layla agrees. Uh, we're going to tweet all of those links, and we're also going to put them up on Facebook so that people can get in touch with the organization. Um, I believe it's a good cause, and I, I think definitely for the Lone Hill community and even Joburg to get involved. I know that Layla's been a huge part of Four Ways, and she's always in the Four Ways Review and all over the place. We're celebrating her sixth birthday, which is huge. It's very exciting.
2: You know what? I, I actually... Believe it or not, I actually watched her, her mob from last year, her birthday, and I was absolutely in tears because Brendan said to me yesterday, have you ever sat back and look what you've done? Because he's telling me about all the things that we got coming up, the 947 nine cycle challenge and everything. And I actually did look back last night, and I was like, we've made it already a year and a half.
1: To ju- just update all the listeners, last year for Layla's fifth birthday, um, obviously the doctors didn't think she would get that far. So in honor of her fifth birth- fifth birthday, Four Ways More put together the most amazing flash mob. Uh, we had Veronique Lalut who's part of Idols. We had the Graham Watkins project. Uh, we had a whole dance crew that got together, and we threw the most amazing... There were princesses, and oh, it was just beautiful. epic. It was really epic.
2: It was absolutely beautiful. All those yellow candles, everybody like just walking in there, you know... D- It was so special and like this year again it's it's special again. She's given me an extra day an extra heartbeat. You know, and it's it gives you that that fighting. The fighting charm. energy you know just to every day is another day it's special it's amazing But mark i'm gonna challenge you to bring your children there's one each for elissa oh and thank for you taylor,
1: taylor jean. jean oh you know their names thank you mm-hmm. thank you we so will be there we'll all be celebrating on the day one of the things that i'm doing this year which i did last year is uh the 94.7 cycle challenge which i do for uh Layla and for the pendy angels i uh i didn't i didn't um train last year so yes, this year I'm, hope- so well. I'm hoping that this year I do a little bit better. I did it in four and a half hours and I hadn't trained at all. Um, so I'm hoping this year
0: maybe do it twice. Uh, twice. I'm, I'm hoping okay.
2: to finish in four hours.
0: I, I, I've done it once. I did it three years ago and I must say it was quite a breeze, but I did it on my Vespa. Uh, <laughs> <I
1: don't know.
0: laughs> That's a that's a uh, totally different way. Then
2: maybe you can climb onto a bicycle this year. We'll push I, uh, you up those hills.
0: There we go. I'm not sure if my cardiologist would love it, but uh, <laughs> it was nice doing the route anyway and seeing what the guys were
1: doing. <laughs> amazing.
2: Uh, Stain City.
1: Yeah, that was horrible. Sharon, it was lovely having you on the show and Layla as well. Um, I think she she wants to yes. either become a DJ or leave the studio. <laughs> not entirely sure which one. Um, um, it has been amazing, Mark. Having wow. you on the show has been Thank absolutely epic. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, every every month we do feature celebrity that's doing good and i do believe that you are doing amazing work um with cancer and reach for a dream and and even just in your daily workings you're you're an amazing guy you're inspirational thank you
0: thank you so Uh, much any chances we're going to see you on tv sometime i always look for the next big opportunity so hopefully soon we're putting it out there into the universe there's nothing on the cards but
1: but hopefully soon Fantastic. I'm going to leave you guys with just two updates. Erwin, the animal shelter in the south, they had to get rid of th- or get homes for 350 dogs because uh, they will be closing down at the end of May they are currently sitting on 250 wow. so in in the space of 2 or 3 weeks they really have done a great job if you guys want to get involved with that I will tweet the links and also put it put it on Facebook that's Irwin's Jenna Lowe as well is out of ICU she's in the ward it's been 3 months of her since her lung transplant she's doing really really good which we're, we're all happy for and we just keep her in our good thoughts uh, as she makes it through I'm going to leave you with this nugget dream big work hard stay focused and surround yourself with good people thanks and only good things it's been an amazing time hanging out with you on the good stuff Uh, we look forward to next week if you want to catch up with any of the podcasts get on on itunes Uh, see you next week